to continue. Actually, we're going to be finishing up our Advent series, and we have Ooh. none other than Michael Hansen today. Wow. Give it up for Michael. Wow. Man, I need to record that every morning to play that applause. Okay. Hey, good morning. Thanks. I know it's been said already, but thanks for braving the elements and, and coming to church today. And um, like Danny said, I'm going to be ending off our Advent series, these four weekends leading up to Christmas. That means that Christmas is upon us. And uh, the name of the series is, is uh, He Shall Be Called. And we've been looking at different names uh, of Jesus. And if you remember the first talk, Andrew kicked it off. Uh, and, and he's talked about how within the Jewish culture, when you were going to pick a name for a baby, it wasn't like, oh, you know, what are the Kardashians picking? Like, it wasn't like, what's popular right now? It wasn't, what sounds good with Grandpa Joe's name or whatever? It was, it was very much, a lot of thought went into it because the name you gave to that child was, had a prophetic edge to it. It literally was a, a statement on who this little one would be. It was, it was a name that would try to capture the essence of this, of this child. So uh, when we look at the name of Jesus, or when we, as we've been looking at names of Jesus, do you know that in the Bible there are just under 200 names and titles for Jesus? And you know, when you think about him, that doesn't surprise me at all. Like, how do you capture the essence of Jesus? Right? I, I mean, it would take, I, I think we could go on and on. I mean, he's just so off the charts in, uh, in, in every way. And, and so we've been looking at so far, uh, Andrew kicked it off with Son of Man. Uh, JT did uh, The Messiah. Last weekend, Heather did uh, Light of the World. And if you missed any of those, we have them on uh, CD free at the info counter or eight tracks in the garbage bin. But, uh, <laughs> but today we're going to be looking at I think one of my f uh, favorite names of Jesus, and that is the Prince of Peace. And uh, it's interesting, Pam and I didn't plan this, but she uh, already read the scripture I want to kick off with, Isaiah 9, the prophet Isaiah, he's prophesying ahead to this little boy that's going to be born. And again, this is such a familiar passage this time of year, but let me read it to you. Uh, verse 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called, here again, trying to capture the essence, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince, excuse me, of Peace. And when I think of that name, Prince of Peace, what does it say about Jesus? What does it say about his, uh, his character? What does it say about his essence, that his very name is Peace? Like, doesn't it just calm you down just to say Prince of Peace? And uh, when I think of that name, it says this in your notes, or I'll finish off uh, the, the section in your notes. I think of Jesus as he's the great storm calmer, right? He's the great storm calmer. And I know one of the reasons why this is one of my favorite names of Jesus is because in my life, I would say this is where I've experienced him the most, where I'm in the midst of a storm, a personal storm, a family storm, a financial storm, a, you know, what a storm, a, a crisis. And I can, you know, it brings to mind, I can so relate to the disciples. Remember the story in the Bible? I know it's in Matthew and Mark where they're going across the Sea of Galilee, remember? And Jesus is sleeping in the boat and a storm comes up. And some of these guys are fishermen, like seasoned fishermen, and they're freaking out. Because in this storm, they're like, we're, gonna, we're toast. 
This is a crazy storm, and, and I can relate to that, and I know you can relate to that. Times in your life where you're looking at the situation, the storm going on, and, and you can so relate to that sense of if somebody doesn't help, or Jesus, if you don't help, we're going to drown. We're going down. So I can relate to that, but one of the reasons I love his name, uh, the name the Prince of Peace is because I can also relate to the other side of that story, the awe and the wonder and just the, the love for Jesus when he stands up in the midst of that storm and just goes, shh, quiet, and everything whoom, just goes to peace. I mean, I love that about Jesus. And the thing to remember when we talk about peace and him being the Prince of Peace and us you know, uh, grabbing onto that peace, it doesn't come from a formula. It's, I'm not going to come this morning and say, here's three easy steps to getting peace. Right? The peace I'm talking about comes from a relationship with Jesus. This peace only comes with him. And so, you know, as I look at my life, I look, you know, back on my life as a little boy, I was taught about Jesus, all the stories of Jesus. And then as a teenager, as a young man, I made a decision to follow him. And, and as I look back on all those years of following Jesus, of knowing him and getting to know him more, growing in my understanding, growing in my thinking, like understanding more about who he is, it, it's made me realize, and, and if, you remember, if you were here last weekend, the quote that uh, Heather uh, gave us, she gave us a quote from A.W. Uh, a. Tozer. Uh, he invented A&W. Okay, we got, okay, we're warming up. This is good. He didn't, by the way. But A.W., he was a brilliant evangelical. Uh, he said this. He said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So we're talking about peace, right? When I, you know, I'm talking about God, we're talking about Jesus, the Prince of Peace. What comes into your mind is so important. Well, why? It's so important because how you think about God determines how you approach him. How you think about God determines how, how much you're going to trust him. How you think about God determines how quickly you are in the storm to run to him, to turn to him for help. And especially talking about peace, how you think about God has direct impact on your ability to grab onto and live in the peace that the Prince of Peace brings to us. So today, here's my goal. Uh, we're going to look at three points. You can see that in your notes. And my, my goal is to stir our thinking about Jesus, to stir what we think about him as the Prince of Peace, and maybe even to expose in our minds some wrong thinking about him, uh, some thinking, wrong thinking that may get in the way, that may be hindering us from really grabbing on to this amazing peace that, we, uh, that, that the Prince of Peace offers us. So let's pray, and then we'll, we'll go through those points. So Lord, uh, again, I thank you for today. I thank you for another opportunity to get together. And uh, Lord, I, I take such comfort in knowing that you're here. It's not just a group of, of you know, Christians gathered together to talk about someone who's miles away, but, but we've gathered together to be with you. And even as we're talking, Jesus, you're the Prince of Peace, you're here. You're here with us. And I pray that you'd be super personal today. You would come close to each one. You know what's going on in this room. And I pray that you would come and just speak into situations. You would speak into the storms in our lives today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, so I'm going to be, if you don't have a Bible, you can grab a Bible or you can grab a Kleenex. But uh, um, I'm going to be jumping around a bit, and, but the scriptures will be on the screen. But we'll start with number one of your notes there, just one second. And it's...
That's really pleasant. Any bats in the cave? Okay. Oh, what was I thinking? <clears throat> okay, back to the message. Number one in your notes. What kind of peace are we talking about? Prince of Peace. Well, what, am I, what are we talking about? What are we talking about? That's all you're going to remember, aren't you? Okay. <clears throat> so let's just wrap it up and go to Bob Evans. But, so what kind of peace? Well, so Isaiah prophesies about this, this little one that's coming, the Prince of Peace. And to the hearers, you know, think about it as, you know, the people, uh, the Jewish people around the time of Jesus' birth, they would have been familiar with that prophecy. And, and when they would have heard that name, when they would look at that prophecy of, of Isaiah and, 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 looked at, and heard the name Prince of Peace, it would have stirred an expectation uh, in, in their minds. And, and here's what I mean. So Isaiah would have written this right around 700 and some B.C., so hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. He prophesied the birth of, of Jesus. Well, about 30 B.C., there was a, a, Roman, <coughs> a Roman general by the name of Octavian, if you're a history buff, uh, this, this general was a very successful general, and he was so successful that he was actually uh, crowned uh, Caesar Augustus. They changed his name to Augustus, and he was given the highest office in the Roman Empire. And, and, you know, and, and again, like I was talked about in the intro, he was given different names to try to capture the essence of this mighty warrior, this godlike, as the, as the Caesar, this godlike figure. And one of the names that Caesar Augustus was given in around 30 BC was the Prince of Peace. They called this Roman general the Prince of Peace. And he was given that name because under his leadership, there had been just years and years of civil war in the Roman Empire. And this guy, you know, a brilliant general, he comes in and he brings peace to the land, right? And if you're familiar with like Pax Romana, which means Roman peace, under his rule, he brought peace, civil peace, to, uh, to the Roman Empire, and thus he was given the name the Prince of Peace. And it was a peace that was both accomplished and sustained by force. And what I mean is they kept the peace that if, if anything rose up, if any person or group rose up within the empire who disturbed the peace, well, that would just, they would engage this Roman war machine and just, they would just crush it. They would get rid of it, right? So that's how they kept the peace. So you can imagine then if I'm a Jewish person, and, and, and if you think of uh, two weeks ago when JT was talking about the Messiah, right, the deliverer that's going to come and rescue us from our enemies and, and deliver us from our enemies, you can, you can understand why in their minds when they hear about this Messiah, that one of his names is Prince of Peace, that where their mind goes is, oh man, when this guy comes, he's going to crush our enemies. That's the, the expectation that got stirred up. But the problem was the peace Jesus brought was, was different than that. The peace that he brought was way more than just uh, civil peace. The peace that he brought was f much further reaching. It was an all-inclusive, full-life peace. The, the actual word that's used in Isaiah, the, the Hebrew word for peace, is the word uh, shalom. Let's look at the definition. Here's, here's, here's some words trying to capture just how awesome the word shalom is. The definition is prosperity, well-being, health, wholeness, completeness, harmony, safety, the absence of strife, Canada, right? That's trying to capture this peace. The peace that Jesus brought was, was, was just, you know, it was all encompassing. 
And where they got tripped up, and I'm talking about the Jewish people, and where we get tripped up is that we look at that definition, and then from our perspective, where our minds go, is we just make this assumption that, okay, you're the Prince of Peace, and it's this shalom peace, it's this awesome, you know, full life peace. So we assume that that means then that, that with, uh, what Jesus has come to do is to crush everything in our lives that disturbs our peace. That's the expectation that gets stirred up. I mean, doesn't that make sense? I mean, how else can you have peace? How can you have peace in your life if all the storms aren't quieted? If all the peace stealers aren't crushed, if you will? I mean, how else can you have peace? Well, again, the peace that Jesus brought, it's different than what uh, Caesar Augustus brought. Listen to this. John 14, verse 27 says, Jesus said this. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The peace that the Prince of Peace brings, it's different. It's different than Pax Romana. It's way beyond that. And one of the reasons the Jewish people missed Jesus, one of the reasons that they didn't uh, believe that he was the Messiah was because he didn't crush the Romans, because he didn't oust their enemy. That was like, well, wait a minute. I mean, they're looking at Jesus. They look at his power and all these miracles that he does. And they're like, oh, this is the guy. Look at the, I mean, look at the way he's handling, you know, uh, just look how wise he is and how powerful he is. And then he dies on a cross. They're like, oh, oh, well, that's disappointing. I thought he was the one. See, we have the same struggle. One of the reasons that we fail One of the reasons that we lose our peace so quickly, one of the reasons that we fail to grab onto and hold onto our peace is is because really the same thing, the problems, the struggles in life are mostly still there, aren't they? Right, you're a follower of Jesus, you believe in Jesus, he's your prince of peace, he's the omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing God, and it's like, so what's the deal? What's going on? Why do these things seem to continue? I mean. Here's the thing that we need to remember when we talk about God's peace. And if you're a note taker, you might want to write this down. It's not in the absence of the problem that we find peace. It's in finding him in the midst of the problem that we find peace. Does that make sense? So it's not, it's not everything getting fixed, right? It's, it's, it's in learning to find Jesus in the midst of whatever storm you're going through. And, and again, I, I don't know about you, but if, if I expressed my thoughts honestly, it would be, well, but that's hard to get my head around Jesus. Because like, if you really love us, why wouldn't you fix things? Like, why would you let us struggle? Right? Why wouldn't you just step in and just, just you know, clear everything out and make it easy for us? Where here's, here's something that he knows that it's hard for us to get our heads around. He knows that way beyond a trouble-free life, the most important thing for you, for us in this lifetime, for everybody, the most important thing is to know him. The most important thing, the most valuable thing you can uh, go after in this life, way more than money, way more than position, way more than comfort, way more than you fill in the blank, whatever your thing is, right? The most important thing is to know Jesus and to trust Jesus with every aspect of your life. He knows that. We say that, but we're not sure we believe, or I say that, but I'm not sure I believe that. 
because I still run after other things. But he knows that. And so like a good parent, I mean, I can remember my kids, uh, and this is, well, I can remember my kid, putting my kids through things that they would have seen as unfair storms. Like, you know, no, you have, no, go back. You got to clean your room. You got to make your bed, right? I mean, I, I mean, the comparison's a little, but, but you know what I mean? Where I know my kids would look at me and my older son especially would, would verbalize those things, uh, would express, you, might, you hate me, all right? Well, you know, or, you know, it would be like, you don't love me. Look what you're making me do. Like, I want to be out playing with my friends. I want to go do what I want to do, but you're making me work on this and finish this and do that. You know what I mean as a parent? Because I know what they don't know, that if I just let them do whatever they want or if I fix everything for them, they're going to be like a boneless kid or adult. They won't know how to live. They won't have any life muscles. And I'm convinced one of the reasons that God says, no, I'm not going to fix everything. Because one, I know, you, I know your future. I know the muscles that need to grow in you for you to be who I want you to be. And so I'm going to let the storm rumble. Right? But number two is, like I've been saying, is so, so get your eyes off the storm and get your eyes on me. Well, here, so here's what it looks like. I remember uh, where I grew up in Western Canada, uh, uh, it was a little town in the mountains, and we had this big lake. It was called the, the Shushwap Lake, and it was like uh, vacation central. I mean, it was, we would go, that's where we vacationed. We'd go camping and boating, and I remember one day, I, I don't, I think I was like eight or nine years old, and we were out in the lake, and we were in a little boat. I can still sort of picture it, a little boat, and uh, we had some adults and kids, and I, and I just remember the boat being full of people. I had one of those, you know those life jackets that are sort of like the thing that goes around your neck that just makes sure your head's in the water when you go in? But, uh, um, but one, one of the things unique about this lake, the Shushwap Lake, is that storms would come up like that. You'd be out in the lake, and all of a sudden you'd, just, you'd sort of see a, you know, the water getting stirred up, on, you know, the surface, and woof, a storm would just come in. So this day we were out in the lake, and the storm just comes roaring in, and we're out in the middle of the lake. We've got all these people. We don't have enough life jackets. And, and, and I remember as a kid feeling the tension on the boat as now there's big white cap waves and we're trying to get to the shore and you can't go very fast. And, and, and I can remember looking at the adults as a kid and seeing the, you know, I'm not sure what my face looks like, but like the tension and the fear because it, it was dangerous. And, and I can remember, you know, I was pr probably sitting on someone's lap and they were holding on to me and... And, and I remember feeling that fear. But then I also remember looking at my dad, who was driving the boat. And I remember when I looked at him, I looked at him, I was like, wait a minute. He doesn't look afraid. I could see his face. And he didn't look worried. In fact, he looked really confident. Like, we're, we're going to get this thing to shore. And I remember even as a little boy looking at him going, well, if he's not worried... What do I have to worry about? Because that's my dad. And I walked with him all my life. I, I knew I could trust him. I knew he was strong. I mean, he was my hero. He could do anything. And that's what it's like. It's in this life. It's walking with him. Walking through these storms where your, your trust, your confidence grows in him. So in the midst of the storm, you go, I don't like this. But you look at him and you look at his face and he's like, or, you know, I don't know how he would look, but it would be like, I'm not worried, son. I'm not worried, daughter. And it's like, well, if you're not worried, well, I guess I don't have to be worried then. So what kind of peace are we talking about? We're talking about a peace 
that's not dependent on circumstances. It's dependent on him. So number two, how do we get it? How do we get this peace? Here's uh, what I want to look at. To get the peace of God, it starts by making peace with God. Right? To get the peace of God, it starts by making peace with God. And here's what I mean. You know, uh, uh, and we don't have a slide for this, Lori, but in John 15, Jesus gives us this really, really helpful analogy of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And if you're familiar with that passage, that he's the vine, we're the branches, he says, you know, uh, he says, I'm the vine, so I'm like the source. And he says, when you say yes to Jesus, when you say, I want to follow you, Jesus, and all, that, and all that really means is you've made a decision. I don't know, I'm not sure I get everything about this guy, but what I do know is amazing and I want to follow him. Right? So it just means you take everything in your life and you turn in that direction and you start moving towards him. And, and in, in John 15, there's this picture of when you say yes to Jesus, what happened is, is if this is a branch, you're now, poof, you're grafted in to the vine. You're now connected to Jesus, right? And, and you're drawing life and just all that we have, we draw from Jesus. And peace, we're drawing it all from being connected to him. That's, that's, what it, that's the intent, Right, is that we're connected to him. But if you're familiar with the, the story of the Bible, in Genesis 3, there's this uh, thing called sin that poisons the system, right? That poisons humanity. Sin comes in. Sin is the, uh, sin is the great disconnector, if you will, right? And sin is really when we're following Jesus, when we, when we make the decision like, I don't want to follow you. I want to I go my way. I want to do what I want to do. And what happens is because of sin, thunk, I can't do that because I, you know, but we've all been disconnected from the vine. And so what happens is we, sin's disconnected us, we need to be reconnected again. Is that making sense? Right? We need to be made right with God. To get that peace, we need to be, dis, we need to be connected again, reconnected to him. And if you think about it, this season of Advent leading up to Christmas I mean, that's one of the reasons we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Because this little baby being born, it, it, it reminds us, it, it just it shouts to us that the rescuer is on his way. That the one who, who has the ability, the one who knows how to reconnect us is on his way. That's what Christmas is all about. Like Jesus is here and he's gonna, he's gonna reconnect us. But here's, here's the problem though. There's a reconnection fee right? There's a reconnection fee. There's a cost to get reconnected. And here's what I mean. Hopefully this analogy is making sense, but here's, here's where I'm going with this. Uh, I used to work for a power company, uh, sort of like an, you know, like AEP. And I had a joke and it wasn't a very good joke, but I used to say on the weekends, I pray for the poor, but then during the week I turn their power off, right? I was, a, I was a collector and I would go out to people's doors and, and the, for me to be on someone's door meant they hadn't paid their bill. So they were in arrears, we would call it. And I would get to the door and, and you know, uh, people would, would say, well, I don't have any money. That, it, it's too much. I can't pay it. And then I would say, uh, you know, in Canada, well, sorry, eh? I'm going to have to, you won't be seeing the game tonight, eh? But, uh, okay. But I would, I would turn their electricity off because they didn't pay their bill. And then, before it would get reconnected, the only way to get reconnected would be someone had to step up and pay the bill. Someone had to pay the fee to get reconnected. Well, that, that points us to Jesus. Romans 5, verse 6 says, 
You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus, on the cross, paid the reconnection fee for all of us. And here's the awesome thing about what he did. He didn't just one time pay the reconnection fee. So, okay, I got you covered this time, but if you get, in your, you know, if you get behind again, you're on your own. He paid the reconnection fee for everybody for past, present, and future. Like, that's good news. That's good news because when we talk about the peace of God, we talk about this, this being connected to God, think about that, sin. Because you know what I know? We all sin. Right? That's another struggle, isn't it, in this life? That you go up, but I, you know, you're a follower of Jesus and you still sin. Well, you know, newsflash. We're going to struggle with sin till the day we die or, you know, or when we go to heaven. So it's just part of this living in a broken world. But the good news is that sin, the struggles in your life, need no longer disconnect you, need no longer rob your peace. Because it's been, it's been covered. He's, you know, for the rest of your life, I mean, think about this. This is great news. For the rest of your life, the reconnection fee is covered. It's paid. And think again of that, the quote I started off with, that quote from Tozer. Uh, it says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. If, if, if this gets into our minds, right, if this is part of our, our, our day-to-day thinking that, yeah, I know I, I keep getting behind on my bills, but, 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 he, uh, but he's paid it, right? I, I, don't have to, I don't have to figure out how to pay it because he's paid it. I mean, if that gets into your mind, well, then it's like when Hebrews where it says, well, then it's, then we, then it's easy to just walk into, to sort of carry the analogy, to just walk into AEP and go, hey, my name is Michael Hansen. I got disconnected. I need to get reconnected. Oh, Mr. Hansen, let's check your account. Oh, you're all paid up. We'll get you, you know, boom, you're connected. You're, you're reconnected, right? Then, like Hebrews says, we walk boldly. We walk boldly because it's all covered. Does that make sense? Right, that's good news because here's the thing. Part of the human condition is if you, you know, think back now to Adam and Eve. What, do, what is our natural wiring as humans? What do we do when, there's, when, we've, when we've sinned Think of Adam and Eve. What do we do when God comes around? We hide, right? We hide from him. And, it's, you know, and he's like, where are you? Well, we're hiding, right? And, the, and here's the thing. Uh, God is not ashamed of our sin. He's not surprised by our sin. He's not surprised by the things that we're tempted to. He's not surprised by, you know, what we run after out of our loneliness and just the hungers and all the things. Like, he's just not surprised by it. In fact, I think what grieves him uh, more than anything else is that we hide. What grieves him is that we don't boldly walk into AEP and say, yep, uh, you know, I'm behind on my bill again. And come to just receive and grab onto that gift that he's given to us, right? And that's not, I'm not belittling sin by saying that, like it's no big deal. It is a big deal because it's a separator. It's a disconnector. But really what I'm saying is I'm glorifying God because he's got us covered. He's got us covered for the, for the rest of our lives. He's got us covered. And there's some people here today, that's what you need to hear. 
Because what's robbing you of peace is guilt and shame. And you don't have to leave today. You don't have to leave hiding any part of your life from God because he's paid the fee for you to be reconnected to him. So uh, how do we get it? And then how do we, how do we keep it? Right? How do we keep, how do we live in this peace that Jesus gives us as a Prince of Peace? Uh, one of the primary ways is through right thinking. Right? I've been talking a lot about how we think, what we believe, what comes to our minds when we think about God. Listen to this quote from uh, Martin Luther. He's a, the German theologian. He said, you can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest. Isn't that a great quote? And what, and what he's saying is, like, I don't have any control over all the thoughts and accusations and temptations and all this crazy stuff that was floating through my mind. I don't, know, I don't know how to control that. But what I do have control over is whether I let any of those thoughts, any of those birds build a nest. Whether I let any of those thoughts grab hold of uh, grab hold of my mind. And you know, when you, you talk about peace, and uh, uh, I Googled, how do you find inner peace? Because I just love to see what comes up, right? So many self-help books, so many sort of more humanistic methods of finding peace. One of the key things they say is you have to empty your mind, you have to just push away all the negative thoughts, right? The tempting thoughts, all the, all the birds that are flying, you just gotta find a way to ignore those birds, and, 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 and that's how you deal with your peace. Well, I don't know about you, but if I try to just ignore, you know, those thoughts, those birds that are coming, uh, it's sort of like pushing beach balls underwater. They just come flying up again, don't they? At least that's my experience, and I'm pretty sure that's yours too. They just won't stay gone. And, and added to that, the more I think of what not to think about, or the more I think of what not to look at or go at, it consumes my thoughts. Well, see, here's what I love about the Bible. Here's what I love about what, you know, what the promises and just the truth of the Bible is that when we, we talk about those birds and those thoughts flying in, God doesn't say, just try to ignore them. He says, come stand with me, connected with me. Come stand with me, and together, let's look those things right in the eye. See, the Bible, the truth, the Word of God has given us all we need to, to not sort of, you know, try to duck away from what's coming away, but to be on the offense. He's given us all that we need in this book to look those things in the eye, to deal with those, those peace stealers or those, you know, the, the, the birds that are trying to build nests. Listen to this verse in Philippians 4, verse 6. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Talk to God about it. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's not about emptying your mind. It's about filling your mind. It's not the absence of it. It's, it's the presence of it. It's, it's leaning into him. He's put us, uh, uh, the word there where Paul wrote this, he said, where the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds. You know, it's amazing. That word guard, it's a, it's a Greek word, and it's a military word. 
right? And so, and when Paul wrote this, this letter to the, to the Philippians, he wrote it from prison. And I can just imagine, he's sitting there writing this letter, and, you know, and he's talking about, you know, worries and anxiety. And if anyone had reason to worry, I think Paul did. I mean, he's getting whooped on everywhere he goes, right? And he's in jail. He doesn't, he doesn't know what's going to happen to him. And he's thinking about, okay, how do I capture how powerful the peace of God is? How do I capture that? How do I, you know, like, don't worry about it, but talk to God about it. And then he's thinking, okay, what word do I use? Like, what's the effect of the peace of God? And I, my hunch is he looked up and he looked and he saw that Roman soldier standing guard at the door. And he thought, that's it. That's it. It's, 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 it's hit. like literally God's peace, the, the power of God's peace is so strong that it literally steps in and stands guard over your mind and over your heart. Right? He's equipped us. He's equipped us for all, these, all this stuff that comes our way. We don't need to hide from them. He's equipped us to, to go after these things head on. And, you know, and, uh, just uh, very recently I experienced this. We were, about a month ago, we were out in, uh, Helen and I were in, in uh, San Francisco for a family wedding. And we were only there for like four days. So I tried to stay on East Coast time. Which is, which is really kind of a drag. But, so I would wake up at like 3 or 3.30 in the morning. We are in a really small hotel room, and I would really quietly, because you don't, you don't wake Helen up from sleeping, my wife. That's dangerous. But, so I would lie in bed. I'd get my phone out really low light, and I, you know, I might check hockey scores, and I'd be looking at different things. And then I would check the news. And so one of the mornings, you know, it's like 3.30 in the morning, and I'm looking at the news, and all of a sudden it comes up, breaking news. Uh, there's been a, um, a massive earthquake in the South Island of New Zealand, just north of the city of Christchurch. Well, uh, at that very time, our son was at a school in the South Island of New Zealand, just northwest of Christchurch. And I knew that like eight or nine years ago, there was a massive earthquake in Christchurch where like almost 200 people were killed. And I read that in just this wave of fear fear just came over me and birds started flying I literally had images of him hurt images of him trapped and you know as a dad it's like oh what do I do I can't be there I can't protect him and I just started to you know some nests were starting to get built in my mind and all of a sudden this I just this verse came back to my mind and I remembered where Jesus remember where Jesus He's talking to his disciples and he's saying, hey, you guys, I'm sending you out into all the world and I want you to remember wherever you go, never forget this, I will be with you always. And, I, and that verse just sort of, it just calmed the sea. And I was lying there and just this peace washed over me and I just said, Lord, I, not out loud. In my mind, I just said, Lord, that's the truth. That's, I'm not avoiding my fear, my worries right now. I'm looking them right in the eye. And I'm saying, whatever's going on in Daniel's life right now, it's okay because you're with him. You're with him in the midst of whatever storm he's in. I can't be there, but you're there. And this peace just, whew, for like a minute. And then, it, then the worry came back. Isn't that what it's like? And then I went, no, I looked it right in the eye again. And here's the thing. In this whole thing of keeping uh, the peace, 
keeping in this, you know, living in the peace that God gives us, so much of it is, well, what's, what have we got in our minds? Right? It's, it's our thinking has so much to play, has such impact on how we experience and live in this peace of God. Isaiah 26.3 says, it says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Right? How do you get a steadfast, solid, anchored mind? How do you get steadfast in him? Well, you, you fill your mind with this. You fill your mind with the truth. And I'm convinced one of the reasons, one of the reasons we lose our peace so quickly is that we just don't know the promises. We don't know what our Father says in his book. And uh, uh, it's sort of like, you know, I mean, I, I don't know what... Uh, it's like having this great insurance policy and just not taking the time to read it. And you don't know how you're covered. You don't know all the benefits because you just haven't taken the time to read it. So here's how I want to end off today. I want to end off with two plugs, if you will, or I guess, I guess one's, a ch- well, I guess they're challenges. The first one is this. We're coming to the end of the year and 2017 is, is right around the corner and uh, not this weekend, but next weekend, we're going to have uh, Bible reading plans out on our info counter. And all that is, is it's a day-by-day uh, reading plan that if you work through it and check off, it helps you read through, it'll help you read through the entire Bible next year. And, um, and, if, and if you're more of a tablet, you know, electronic person, I would encourage you to download an app called Version, like Y-O-U version. It's a Bible app, and they have lots of different uh, reading plans that they'll keep you accountable and, accountable and actually harass you with, you know, with notifications. But, and I know it's going to take work and some discipline. And, and even if you miserably fail, but, it, but, but it, you at least read more of the Bible next year than you did this year, it'll be, an, it'll be a great success. Right, so I want to challenge you on that to get into this book and, and find out. Find out all the promises that, that God has given to us. And and then the second uh, plug or, or would be this. So in the new year, Helen and I are going to start a small group. And, and it's a small group that is, is uh, it's for people who either you're, you're just checking Christianity out or you've just very recently said yes to Jesus or maybe you've been in the church all your life, but you were never taught the Bible. You were never taught the, you know, the foundational truths of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If that's you, any of those categories, I want to invite you. In the new year, we'll get more information out, but this is going to be a group for people who, you know, maybe even today you're listening to this sermon and you're going, Isaiah, what prophecy? You know, Paul, and you're like the cross, and you're hearing what I'm saying, and it's like, I'm not sure I understand that. Well, I want to invite you to that group. Because here's the thing I'm, I'm convinced of is the, we have an enemy and the enemy doesn't want you to know what's in that book. Because right now, he probably, you know, you're either on the defensive or you're not even in the game and that's where he wants you, right? But you get into that book and you start reading, uh, you know, what Jesus says and just all, just, it's just loaded. You start reading that and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, we're on the winning team, Waiting a minute, I don't have to be afraid of anything, really, if, you, if that's what the Bible says. I can, just, I can just lean into this thing and go for it. See, he doesn't want us to know 
what's in this book. So I'm challenging us. Let's make two, 2017 a year where we, I was, I was praying about it last night. I literally saw this picture of us as a church, this long, long line, and everyone next year went, and just took this massive step forward right into Jesus, right into truth. So let's stand up. Here's how we're going to end off today. Uh, Naomi's going to lead us in a song, and I encourage you to sing along. I just have three things. One, if you're sick, either physically, emotionally, uh, whatever's going on in your body, we would love to pray for you. Uh, So that's like a general invitation uh, for prayer. Number two is this, is uh, I just believe there's people here today that if, you know, that your normal daily routine is you're constantly being buzzed by birds. Your thoughts just, it's like it just feels out of control. And today we want to pray for you because Jesus wants to bring peace to your mind. And he wants to teach you. He wants to teach you how to deal with those birds. So that's number two. Number three is this. Um, just if there's a storm in your life right now, if you're in a place where you're, you know the water's coming in over the side of the boat and you're like, I don't know what to do. I have no idea what to do. We want to pray for you because Jesus wants to come and speak peace over that storm. So again, Naomi's going to lead us in a song. Just come forward for prayer. Uh, and let's just make sure whoever comes forward, guys praying for guys, gals for gals. But we're just going to take a few minutes uh, for that and then we'll end off the service. So just come on up and then we'll pray for you.
Lord, I, I, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you for all the ways that you're coming close right now. And I thank you, Jesus, that you're the great storm calmer. And I pray especially for those that uh, there's just storms in their life, in their families, relational, financial, health, whatever it is, I pray, Lord, that you uh, would calm that storm. I pray that you would help them find you in the storm. Lord, I pray that you would, uh, even in this, the next days leading up to Christmas, that you would uh, just remind us of your presence. Remind us that we don't have to live this life alone. Thank you that you're the Prince of Peace. That we can trust you. That you're gentle with us. You're patient with us. That you know our weaknesses. You know our struggles, Lord. So we just thank you for how uh, just who you are and how you work. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, if you're getting prayer, feel free to continue. For the rest of you, again, thanks so much for coming. Uh, this morning, we'll see you Saturday. We have our three Christmas Eve services. Uh, drive safe, walk carefully in the parking lot. It might still be slippery, but bless you and uh, have a wonderful week.